0: Test 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 one two three. Test test, test check check the mic mic mic. You want to talk? Check, one mic. Uh, check check the mic one two three. What would you like to say, Bean? Mm-hmm. You want to say hello, listeners? Let's hello, listeners. Yeah, welcome. Welcome. Yeah, very nice. All right. This is Carrie from Wrap Your Head Around Silks. This is the Expecting Aerialist podcast. How's it going, guys? Thanks for being here today. I've got the bean. Say hi. Hi, hi, listeners. So, if you check the show notes, I have a new project a on the way in the works called a Aerial bean. Rehab. Uh-huh. It'll be a free three-part video series that you'll get in your inboxes, so check the show notes for that. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for you guys to see that. Today we have Dr. Janae. Okay, she's back. So she was the person I wanted to start season two with the breakdown of a cesarean section, and she is back. I've asked her to talk about postpartum. And everything that at least I wasn't told before I gave birth. So we get into it. She is a firecracker. I'm obsessed with Dr. Janae. And I hope you will be too. All right, guys. Let's get started. Bean, can you say let's? Let's. Get started. Started. (laughs) All right, guys no this is amazing i'm gonna start recording because you're gonna say something epic and i'm gonna miss it and we're so mad so it's just recording but no stress well i don't know how epic so we're moving i don't know if i told you that this has just
1: been hot mess shenanigans and i um like i literally don't know how to do anything like even just freaking signing up for turn on spectrum or Netflix or whatever Roku. I bought this whole TV, had to rebox them because it's not compatible. I'm like, I don't even know what a Roku oh. is. Like I got to like give it the time. Well, yeah. because you're too yeah. busy. I'm too busy. Well, I'm working on adulting though. So I'm going to stop being so busy and start being accountable to my time. Okay. So I'm oh. stop putting so many things on my list of things to be doing, <laughs> including be on a podcast all the yeah. time. No, I actually like this. And FYI, my kid, because it's hair day, because you know how that is for black folk. This hair day. So I'm braiding Mm. hair today. And so I was like, you can put your headphones on because mommy's going to do some adulting. (laughs) You're not going to be able to hear me.
0: So So, is she sitting right there and you're doing her hair? Yeah, I got to cornrow all of it. Okay. So, Janae, I'm eating bread. I should stop eating. So. Nope. It's fine. Well, it's not fine because I host a podcast. I'm trying to be profesh. I don't even know why you would do that. It makes people feel very dear to you. Okay, well, well, so people are obsessed with you and the way you're talking about cutting them Ah! open. What? Because, okay, here's a great example. I have a friend who had a baby at the kind of the same time as me. She had a C-section. She she Uh listened to it. She gave it to her mom to listen to because she was like, (laughs) you need to listen to this lady explain this because no one's ever explained this to anybody, ever.
1: Oh, absolutely. That's what happened. I bet it happened just like that, didn't it?
0: I don't, I I mean, yeah. yeah. So it was, it was like really informative for a lot of people
1: good I'm so glad you know I don't know how to like follow that or watch that so I have no idea what anybody thinks and I'm like oh I hope they don't think I'm a complete white nut (laughs) nut.
0: no there's no way for you to follow it because like I can follow my my numbers but it's not out there in the public so not even follow like a like
1: a, like the reviews and like stuff. Oh, she's
0: crazy. Oh, well, just a Ocean. even
1: if they just told you, like, you know, she's kind of crazy, right? Like, no, because
0: crazy <laughs> comes across really well in a podcast. Like, they, you know, it's just entertaining. Right.
1: Yeah, Good. they were so. Good. I want to be. I can't wait to talk about whatever. Okay, else you so here's talk the deal. About.
0: I want us to do the same type of breakdown because. Okay. Even for me, I have a lot of friends who had babies at the same time. The amount of stuff that yeah. we like called each other or video, video conference each other and was like, did anybody tell you about X, Y, and Z before you got pregnant? Yeah. No. Like postpartum. Like what happens? Yeah. So I want yeah. to, from your perspective, you are clinical, you're a doctor, you see your yeah. patients. Um So let's, let's go first to the, your, your girl parts. Okay. So talk to me about vaginal. You have a baby natural, like naturally meaning a vaginal delivery, whether or not you had meds or not. Tell me about the first week, the fourth week, like six weeks. Yeah. Gotcha. Well,
1: here's the thing. The thing about having a vaginal delivery, uh, a couple things really matter. One, was it your first baby or not? Let's start with the this was my first baby and something came through my vagina around the size of a gr- large grapefruit through an unaccosted pelvic floor and <laughs> Now that shenanigans, mm-hmm. right? So... <laughs> So the recovery from that is completely different than when you've had a baby before. So just talking about the first time, it really depends on how a person um, literally depends on what their hips feel like. So when we do um, a check on people when they first get pregnant, like we do a pap smear and we do their little exam and stuff, sometimes we'll say, hey, this is kind of a tight pelvis, like note to self. And we write tight pelvis like in our notes to remind us about that. What that basically is talking about is what is the angle of the pubic bone? There's um, cartilage that holds together the t- the front part of your pubic bone. Because here we go, get ready for it. That's right, your body has to split your pubic bone in half to get a baby to come wait. out. Nice,
0: good one, guys. Wait, good one. wait, great, wait, wait, wait. The pubic bone splits during Correct. labor or over time in the process. Well, over time. So okay. here's
1: the thing. So if your arch is narrow, then it is an acute angle, like a piece of cheese or something. I don't know how I can say that wedge, if you think okay. about that wedge. Or it's a flat angle in which it's really wide, right? Like if you took your finger, uh, for, uh, index finger and thumb and widen it out as much as you could, that's a wide angle. If you scrunched them together, that's an acute angle. So when we check a person, we are checking the angle right there to say, hmm, how much give has to um, – Happen for this baby's head to fit? Oh, okay, out wait, her, right? wait.
0: You yeah. check by yep. feeling yep. it with your hand on their skin, or you do an X-ray? Nope, nope. Inside, when we do the exam, to say, "Oh, you're
1: four centimeters," or oh, "You're Zippos. Um, you ain't jack crap." Like we're saying, like, where is that baby's head in relation to your pubic bone? Um, and what is that pubic bone doing? So for example, if I put my hands in there to check somebody at 36 weeks and I feel nothing but the abyss sister, I'm like mother of God, that head is not even remotely close to the pelvis. I can't feel it. I can fit two fingers inside that arch. That means yikes. You're either really far from ready to be delivering. The baby is floating. Um, the baby's head is what we call asynclitic, which is crooked. Um, any of those things, but when you're 36 weeks, You're not supposed to be all the way fully engaged, which we mean like really settled down in the pelvis. It's just for us to have a gauge like, hey, sis, by the way, your belly is measuring two weeks ahead and your pubic bone is narrow. You might have to push a long time. And I tell people there is not a person. Mm, I'm thinking not very often at all that we tell a person, hey, you really shouldn't try a vaginal delivery. I tell people, hey, listen, sis, looks like you got a narrow arch. Get ready for pushing. Like, this ain't about to fall out. You know what I'm saying? Mine were five pounds. They fell out. There's, like, nothing to brag about. But I tell people, like, hey, listen, you're going to have to get ready to push. And the reason why you have to get ready is because that pubic bone is held together by cartilage And your body because it's amazing. <laughs> That's right. Hashtag winning as women. Our bodies are so amazing that our placenta gives off a hormone called elastin. Elastin is something that softens up cartilage in your body. So that cartilage, that hunk of pretend you got a two chiclet pieces of gum holding your pubic bone together. That are really, really firm like cement. Well, your body knows a baby has to come through there. So elastin that comes out of your placenta softens that cartilage up so that when you need to push a baby out, it'll give and open up that arch. That hurts like a mofo, like a okay. mofo. That's why we're around 36 weeks, 35 weeks. are like, man. I'm walking and it feels like there's a bruise, like right in my pubic bone. It's just really hurting. Like, I don't know. Just, and then when we go to measure your belly and we take that tape and we shove our thumb right down there on that pubic bone to, ch- oh, I don't know it's hurting. Dr. Davis, Dr. it I'm like, I know, girl. It's the last and I'm really sorry. That means that's loosening up for you. Now, the benefit is, okay, I'm loosening up my pubic bone. The non-benefit is, guess what happens to the rest of the cartilage in your body? I.e. all you swingy dancers around here. You're going to slip your knees easier. Mm. You're going to slip your ankles easier. You're going to slip your hips easier. You're going to slip. And your nose and ears actually soften, but nobody probably cares about that. So nobody <laughs> talks about it. But that pubic bone Our body's giving us the ability to literally disrupt that, stretch that out, that pubic symphysis allows a baby to pass through there. That being done one time hurts like a mofo. The second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth time you have a baby, that's been done already. So a lot of the consequence for your recovery, which is why I talk about first versus any other baby, the first time you pave the way with a baby, praise the Lord. You can. It's it's not nearly nearly as bad the second time.
0: That was a long. I'm over here you. You like clutching my pearls. Over here, yeah, girl. No, okay. So now. wait. So it it goes apart, and I've heard about pu- pubis since you know where it just there's a lot of pain after because it's not even. Yeah, but but for yes, a correct. woman who doesn't have that. D-section? No. no, who has the vaginal delivery, but not what they call pu- uh-huh. is it pubis, sim- whatever that is, is that
1: so your uh-huh. symphysis still is going to split unless you had like a super small baby. But the other thing that people don't realize when they're like, yeah, I'm totally going to get back to jaw- doing plyometrics five minutes after I had a baby because it doesn't hurt. I'm not caring whether this hurts you to do it. I'm telling you that your body has not evacuated enough elastin and you're going to slip your pubic bone. So I had somebody who sat down too quick and slammed herself down into her car because she was jumping into a Jeep because she thought day three, I'm taking my newborn out to the beach, whatever it is, slipped her pubic bone and she had to go to orthopedics and get a pin put in it because this, the spacing in it was so far, it couldn't heal back together. So it's not a matter of it's hurting your body. Like I'm sore or not. It's a matter of letting your body heal into some solid pelvic structure so that when you sit down, get up, have sex, jog, run, do, lift weights, uh, deadlifts, um, lunges, presses, that your pubic bone doesn't slip.
0: Mm. I think that's a misconception for a lot of
1: athletic people who think, "Oh, I'm totally fine." Well, happy for you, but don't be coming in here complaining to me whenever <laughs> your pubic bone is on fire
0: and you can't get your crap back together. That is a you problem, and I, we told you. Don't okay, do that. okay, okay, okay. I'm starting. Okay, now I'm starting to understand. You're you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's my favorite. I have weightlifters. They're like, I totally
1: have a high pain tolerance. It's not about that. It's about whether that gets that put back together. Now, your next babies, like I said, that has already been accosted. So the babies just fly out. Like when we say, oh, you pushed four hours last time? Yeah, it's probably going to be 30 minutes, if that. Like that's what we mean by that, and that's that's true. So the recovery afterwards, the first time it feels like, holy mother of God, like what came through my pelvis? You go to pee and it feels like you have shooting lightning up your vagina. Like I remember crying like ah! like when I went to pee, I was minding my own business, girl. Minding my own business, just peeing it. I don't know what happened. My bladder spasmed or something. I thought somebody took a hot poker up my vagina and then it went away. It was totally fine. You have to settle all that back down to normal, like a child. Just came through there. So yes, you're going to be sore. Absolutely. You are going to be sore and random things will happen. I said, I'm just, I don't know. I overdid it. I went to target. Well, stop going to target overdoing it. We told you to sit down and relax.
0: Right. Okay.
1: <laughs> so you, just okay. you go to target. I'm going to, okay. I'm going to
0: like, I'm going to like throw some misconceptions at you or things that my, my friends and I have said to each other. So, okay. I'll okay. So one of my friends said, why did I have like basically, pains that she characterizes almost worse than labor Mm -hmm. like days a week later on you mean like down in the uterus area or the yeah it's because your uterus has to clamp back down Like,
1: just like we talked about that C-section, you're talking about something that went from all the way pushing up on your diaphragm. If specifically, if you're nursing or pumping, you are shooting out more oxytocin through your brain from from the stimulation of your nipple that is going to make your uterus contract down even more. Okay. Like ridiculous. And everything in your whole belly is resettling itself. Just think about, I mean, think what came out of there. Like your bowels have to go back to their normal position. Your round ligaments have to go back to their normal position. Like, your freaking gallbladder isn't getting shoved on by a baby's foot anymore. Like, all of your whole entire abdomen is going back to normal position. And when we move things in our body in the visceral cavity, that can shoot pain. It's not supposed to be moving like that.
0: Okay, so when it feels like you're having, she's just felt like she was giving labor again. Is it because because the uterus is contracting and that contraction feels kind of the same as labor?
1: Literally like labor. When you're that's why people who nurse tend to stop bleeding is quicker than people who bottle feed because you're cl- clamping your uterus down with the expulsion of ex- oxytocin from your brain. So it's the same thing as pitocin. It's oxytocin, but it comes out of your brain to make your uterus clamp down so that you quit bleeding. But the consequence of that is mother blanker. That's okay. Pain. Why? Secondarily. As no, why don't oh, people
0: tell us this? Like, no
1: I do okay. tell people that. I don't know what your box is doing.
0: I' are tell not people telling us shit, Doctor Janae. Okay,
1: okay. Yeah, I'm like, Oh, by the way, this is about to be bad. Uh huh. Yeah, I'll tell you what else. Um, if you are nursing, just in, you know, just as I'll throw it, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Your your consequence of nursing is that your body is going to turn you into a postmenopausal person. The hormones of your system are opposite when you're nursing as when you're not pregnant. So when you're nursing, your prolactin, which is the hormone that comes out of your brain to tell your breast to make milk is opposite of your estrogen. So if you have a high prolactin, so I can make this milk, make this milk, make this milk. It makes me have a low estrogen so that I don't shoot an egg off and get pregnant too quick. Right. It's my mammal body's way of keeping me from getting pregnant so that I can feed a child. So if you lower somebody's estrogen, The only time in your life that you don't have estrogen making you ovulate is when you're postmenopausal. Guess what happens to your little postmenopausal wrinkled up old lady vagina (laughs) when you're nursing? It turns into a freaking desert abyss. I'm like mother. And I say, by the way, it's going to feel like the first time you had sex. Girl, I hope you have a bottle of lube. I like Uber Lube, but that's just my personal favorite. I hope you have a bottle of it because it's going to feel like somebody whacked you in the vagina with a bat. Oh. Without anybody. Correct. Correct. And there's no elasticity. You will not lubricate yourself just like you want when you're 80 years old. And you won't heal as quickly because you have no estrogen to give you the elasticity and bring blood flow to the area to make yourself not feel like that. It's also, by the way, when you pee, it's going to burn like mother blanks. You're welcome. You're welcome. What you can do is take a big blap of Vaseline and stick it over your urethra so that when you pee, it doesn't burn because you're just rubbing the top layer of cells off your freaking urethra because you have no estrogen. Uh... Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for the happy time at the end of the event, yeah, F that. It's not (laughs) happening. So just (laughs) grin and bear it. For as long as you get, but it ain't going to get no better while you're nursing. So people are like, what oh, is going to happen to my life? I don't. Well, we don't want to be ha- doing something that's uncomfortable, and it's another physiologic way that we don't get pregnant, mm. like that our bodies don't let us get pregnant while we're nursing. You need the energy and nutrient of your body to be able to feed this child. Now, when you stop nursing as much, when does that happen? Whenever people decide. First of all, I'm totally fine if people decide to bottle. Totally, but physiologically, if you decide that you're not going to. As you cut down the amount of nursing you're doing, your prolactin level is going to get less and less. So here we go with our little seesaw. What happens to your estrogen? If our prolactin is going down, my estrogen is coming up. So then I'm getting a little more saucy in the budget, <laughs> and I'm getting a little more medication. I might act like he's cute enough for me to want to do something. And I might heal myself afterwards without feeling like somebody shoved a freaking raw sandpaper Freaking broom handle up my vagina, you know. After we had sex, so and you start um, ovulating again. So this is where people, which is the humongous misconception, I'm breastfeeding. I will not be pregnant. F that. You are spontaneously ovulating randomly oh. as you are increasing your estrogen as your prolactin is going down. So maybe you weren't ovulating while your baby was q two to three hours. Shoot me in the face. Q three to two to three hours because your prolactin was so high. But as soon as your kid starts eating food, sleeping through the night whatever those things are, your estrogen gets randomly high enough for you to be able to shoot eggs off. Well, people don't know that they ovulated. And then they're 16 weeks pregnant talking about, girl, I can't lose this weight. I don't know what's going on. Oh, there's a fetus in there. Oh, okay. Oh, Cause you're pregnant again, Diva. You're welcome. Dr. Janae. Yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah, girl that's what happens. That is what happens, girl. Okay. okay.
0: And you do tell your, your patients this.
1: Heck yeah, because that is like a false advertisement if anybody thinks it's supposed to be like a fantastic time postpartum. Oh, and how about when the liver falls out of your uterus? When the placental eschar, which is the big scab about seven to ten days after you have a baby, a big plop of liver falls out into the freaking toilet and you think you're bleeding to death. Yeah, there you go. Okay, I had no idea. I didn't didn't know about that. Yeah, that's so why I tell them don't call. These are things. Don't call me in the middle of the night. It's just your placenta last scar. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I didn't know. Okay, can you go back and explain what that is? What you just said—that scab. Yeah, it
1: looks like a big plop of half a liver. So when we pull your placenta off of you, off your uterus, I always tell people, just think about if I just took a, took a, I don't know, a big piece of steak and ripped it off the side of your arm, like ripped off half your arm. Like there's a scab that forms there. And when that scab gets ready to fall off, because once you pull that off of your uterus, the inside of your uterus, think about what it's doing while there's a baby in it. Shooting 50% of your cardiac output in blood flow to my baby, your your body cares about it. As soon as you stop doing that and you get that immediate contraction of the uterus, you also get what we call, it's called an autotransfusion. It's almost like when you shut the uterus down, think about all the blood flow that used to be going through that to the baby. It automatically goes back to mama. You get a transfusion almost back to yourself. Now, before you freak out about bleeding, you're supposed to lose about a liter in in delivery. Don't worry about it. People are like, I almost bled to death. No, you didn't. Your body made 50% more <laughs> blood flow than normal. If you had not been pregnant and been 50 years old, yes, you might have bled to death. But <laughs> hashtag winning. We are made to do this. So no freaking out, everybody. This is totally fine. But anyway, that spot that we ripped off that placenta, has a scab that forms on it so that it quits gushing blood into your out your vagina or you'd bleed out, right? So when that scab is no longer needed, seven to 14 days or so, it plops out, but it comes out like literally like a piece of liver. It's so gross. It would, plops in the toilet. Sometimes because it's passing through your cervix, it's cramp. like your uterus goes squeeze and it'll squeeze down. You might feel nauseous. You might feel hot, lightheaded. Um, you might bagel. Like that's totally normal. That's totally normal normal it's just the plaza ashgar. and FYI don't call me about that at 3 in the morning let's just talk about it around 8:30 <laughs> okay 9:00.
0: okay here's yeah. the other thing okay my Damn. my OBGYN told me nothing all right i will tell you i learned all oh. of this after i had the baby so i did oh, my, my. not okay i had a c-section right i did not okay. know that i was going to bleed like i had my period for a long time oh yeah no one told me okay. no one told my friends I bled uh, for eight weeks straight. Bummer. Is that normal? You talk, talk, what is that? Is your body getting rid of the blood? Obviously.
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the person. Like some people they're like, Oh my gosh, three days after I had the baby, no more bleeding. Good for you diva. But yeah, that's not most people. If you're nursing, most people, because of the way that uterus clamps down, will stop. We'll have some Brown discharge, probably still at week three, four, but they're usually done by then. If somebody comes to me and they're still bleeding at six weeks or they call me and be like, dude, I am like having a period. I will then do an uh, HCG level on them to make sure they don't have any retained placenta. It's hard for a person to have retained placenta during a C-section because we can't is so good. But every once in a while, somebody doesn't or they have a what we call succuring it lobe that is like a little extra piece of placenta that was not attached to the to the regular body of the placenta that might have gotten left. So I'll check an HCG because your placenta will still give off pregnancy hormone to make sure you're not bleeding because you have something in there. And I mean there's standard deviations for everything and that's just one of them. So it's not typical for someone to still be bleeding heavy at eight weeks. But if you did, I probably would have checked a level on you or gotten an ultrasound to make sure your
0: strike was done. Uh I it was it was light in the last like couple weeks.
1: Yeah. It's just irritating. I just but, didn't.
0: I just didn't yeah. know. And like my dog, I went to the doctor at six weeks, and she, you know, I don't know if she, she just wasn't uh, saying anything about anything.
1: Did you have an appointment at two to three no. weeks? No. Okay, so ACOG, which is the governing body of obstetrics and gynecology, so that's why I. Always oh wait, no, like, no, 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 no. I, I, I did because
0: of- I I had staples taken out. I did.
1: No, that's a nurse visit for staples. That's one week. Um, ACOG says that you should have a two to three week visit, kind of like we call it the fourth trimester. We used to leave people alone and just talk to them at six to eight weeks, and then all of these questions that Uh you're talking about, number one, didn't get addressed, um, which is inappropriate from us from a healthcare standpoint. Second, um, we we lose the opportunity to get that level for you or. Assess your bleeding, and more importantly, to assess your mood postpartum. So, a lot of people would show back up to their postpartum visit at six to eight weeks, and I'd say, "Hey, how's it going? Fine. How's your mood been? It's fine." Because after six or eight weeks of feeling like hell, you think that is normal, and so we lost the opportunity to assess whether someone has postpartum mm-hmm. depression. Or not. So, really, your doctor's office should, if they were following ACOG guidelines. And I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus because I hate when people do that. Um, It just wouldn't be inappropriate for any of your listeners to request a two to three week quick tele visit, even, you know, just to get some of those questions answered so that you weren't just sitting out there in the dark,
0: you know? And this leads me to my next question. Okay, baby blues. This is very quick after the baby's born. Am I right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but first couple weeks. And I always tell people, like, This one patient, I'm like, let's pretend because, by the way, we are mammals, even though we act like we're superhumans and all this stuff. Let's pretend we're a mama fox, or let's let's take it down to like a bird, an eagle, a mama eagle. Oh man, I'm pregnant. I'm a mama fox, and I got a couple other babies that are oh out fending for themselves, doing their own thing. No worries. And then I decide I'm gonna have these babies. So I just lay around the den and I'm just waiting for somebody to bring me a half chewed up, puked up groundhog <laughs> to lay here and feel good about myself because I'm a mama fox and I'm birthing baby foxes. And then we birth the baby foxes and oh, I birth these baby foxes. Let me, what am I gonna do? Mm, gonna eat these placentas and maybe lick these babies a little bit and then lay on my side all effing day long. Okay. <laughs> doing absolutely nothing else at all except sleeping while these self-sufficient semi little baby foxes suck on my nipples and I wait for somebody else to come and barf up some other type of food that they went and collected for me. Thank you, Daddy Fox. Now, that is so not what we get the opportunity to do, right? Specifically, if you had another baby. Yeah, F that. Number one, who in the heck? It's supposed to go from sleeping. Well, you were probably peeing a lot right in your third trimester, but going from sleeping to essentially having no Mm -hmm. sleep for two to three weeks. But we're supposed to function like that. That, by the way, is some kind of way that we do like torture interrogation to people. We're like, let's just keep them awake for a day and a half. (laughs) Well, welcome to motherhood. And on top of that, guess how much time somebody got to stay home and help you? barf food up for you while you laid and did nothing except nudge your newborn nobody then thank you society for making me feel like a crappy mom for not having every single gizmo and gadget and have all my one day two day six day 12 day uh blanket that said one month two month that i laid my newborn on with this awesome outfit and took pictures and had the time to put it on facebook (laughs) f that who has time (laughs) for that nobody Uh, And then, by the way, the in-laws are everybody who wants to come over and visit me. And I got to get up and act like I don't feel like shit. My pits are stinking. I got stuff leaking out of my nipples. But I have to smile. And by the way, yeah, let's order food for everybody. Last I checked, Mama Fox told everybody to F the F off. That's what she did. So, by the way, depending on your home situation can contribute significantly Mm -hmm. to how good you feel in the postpartum period. I was so happy with COVID. And I'll say this right now. And I don't even care. There were so many people who were like, Dr. Davis, I hate to say it, but by us having the excuse of COVID, I didn't have to deal with anybody coming Mm. to my house to see this baby. They were so happy. Same for the hospital. I didn't have to, oh, I don't know, seven hours after a child birthed through my vagina. I'm supposed to sit here looking great with my hair combed while you come up to the hospital. I haven't effing slept. And on my vagina... Just got stitched up and you want me to sit here and smile because on your time you wanted to bring me flowers and balloons and want me to smile at you when I just feel like hell. How about that? How about give yourself a freaking break? So baby blues to me is mm-hmm. normal. It's just feeling freaking like a human mammal who just had a baby who actually is trying to function outside of what mammals are supposed to be doing. Baby blues lasts for mm, two to three weeks. What baby blues is, is I'm just feeling overwhelmed. I just, oh my God. I'm exhausted. I don't feel like I can get all this done. Um, Shut up, Brian. I'm just saying, just, you don't understand. That snapping every once in a while, crying, randomly crying for no reason, except that I love this baby so much. I can't even believe I ever loved this baby so much. I'm just randomly going to cry. Commercial comes on. I'm crying. Um, My vagina hurts. I don't know if I do ever get back to normal. That's baby blues. What baby blues is not is... I'm feeding this baby because I have to feed this baby, but I don't feel like feeding this baby. Um, It doesn't bother me if nobody brings that baby to me and everybody's just holding the baby. That's totally fine. Um, Whether the baby's here or not or somebody takes the baby, I'm not going to get up and shower and I haven't eaten at all. And I just have no incentive Mm. to do so. Um, When the baby's upset, it doesn't upset me. It does upset people with baby blues that I think that the baby loves everybody more than me for a small amount of time. But if you say the baby doesn't care anything about me for weeks, that's not okay, And that is why we in the medical community are supposed to call and make sure a person is feeling not that and give reassurance for people who are a mama fox who's. Other set of fox babies is still in there asking for something. Do you see Mama Fox taking them kids to school? (laughs) Them little baby foxes to school? Do you see her doing that? Do you see her out there trying to pack lunches for her other baby foxes that she's got going on? The second set? I don't. Do you see her cleaning up their rooms and sitting at the little baby den doing baby fox homework while she's got one, another couple on the teat? That's a no. Okay. So that type of overwhelmed, I have too much going on, I don't have time. Is so because I mean, you, you don't have time. How about that? How about we give somebody a minute? Don't get me started. I think you've got. That's I think all, you've you gotten started, and I'm just there. sitting back and let oh, you go. Yeah. Let you do it. Yeah, yeah. Because I've already gone there like <laughs> multiple times. But the point is, there is normal. I'm overwhelmed because I don't have societal support, or people don't understand boundaries. And excuse me, I I am working on my boundaries, and you can just tell people this ain't a good time. Like we just we would. And uh, can you believe that Leslie and so and so said they would not want anybody to see the baby for three weeks? Yeah, F off. Because freaking she doesn't want to have to put a bra on and make you a crudita table so that you can come over here eating snacks, feeling good about yourself when she just had something come out of vagina. So get over yourself. Mm -hmm. How about that? How about that? (laughs) Okay, that wasn't nice, but I don't care. And anybody listening, I hope you take take it to heart because I don't care because I've had too many people come in exhausted trying to keep up with the pregnancy Joneses or whoever them folk are. It's too mm-hmm. much. It's too much. So half people aren't aren't depressed, they just don't have appropriate boundaries or other people who respect those boundaries, which is a whole separate situation.
0: Okay. 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 Yeah, there you <laughs> when when I when the baby came out, I was like, mm-hmm. "Why do I still look 4 months pregnant?" Correct. Are we looking for professional? What is that about, though? I know. I'm asking you. you I'm prompting you. you. I'm prompting you. you No, I'm prompting you to answer the question for all of my super high level athlete women who are like, you took the ball out from under the sheet. So why isn't the sheet flat?
1: Are you crazy? (laughs) Like, think about not flexing your ab muscle or your bicep muscle for essentially five months, but then expecting as soon as you go to pick up something and to contract as much as it did five months ago that is hot mess ridiculous and by the way nobody gives a who what you look like right if you had a baby congratulations you just had a baby let's work on that all this self-image stuff everybody when they are laying flat they might see a little bump in their belly and they stand up all that gas all those bowels that were shoved up way up high are oh, thank god nothing else in the way i'm gonna just expand myself as much as i can thank god it's supposed to be like that it's gas it's not fat It's just gas like that's supposed to be like that. So, yeah, that's just tough cookies. I don't even know what to say (laughs) about that. That's what everybody looks like. And you're supposed to freaking. I mean, I can't stand it when I see people on TV like, oh, she's back to her original weight in five seconds. That's not healthy. And she's in a corset or something. Or she hurt herself to do that, i.e. pubic bone, i.e. diastasis of your rectus muscle. Can you give yourself a second? What the heck? Yeah, no, you just got to get over that. That is normal, natural Physiology, we have to embrace that and love the way our bodies look. We just birthed a child. Can freaking grats on that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was. I, really was, I was like, I thought, why do I look
1: good? I'm not here for it. I am not here for it. And that's our fault yeah, in society. Yeah. To make a person who literally just had a baby even be thinking oh, yeah. about that. That that's our fault societally that you would that a person would even be considering anything except look at my gorgeous body. And praise God, my baby is healthy. Like, that's the only thing that a mm-hmm. person should be thinking about immediately postpartum. But not. Why not? Because because we do this to people. And that's our fault. We got to do better. We got to do better better for our next generation, which is
0: like my goal in life. Um, so, I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like this is going to help some people. I, I hope I so. Do. We are not thinking about body image when
1: we just had a baby. And I'll tell you what else. Quit trying to lose weight while you're nursing. What the F? What do you think milk is? It's fat. Your Your body's trying to make use fat. You'll stop making milk. If you're trying to like be on an Atkins diet while you're nursing, stop doing that. And why do you have to be super bone rail thin when you're nursing? If you decide this body image for whatever reason is really important, then just stop nursing and be okay with that. But don't try to, and then beat yourself up when your milk doesn't come in to do both of those. They're, they're mutually exclusive and they should be, or you're not giving the right nutrient to your baby. So no, don't do that. But you look at right after, celebrate it. And we need to do more celebration of ourselves. We just had a freaking baby. Celebrate that and say to yourself in the mirror how amazingly awesome you are that your body did this. You create, and what I always tell my mom is, I'm like, let me tell you, you are the best mama this baby has ever had. And you need to say that to yourself, even when we're not winning, right? Because we do something to ourselves that we act like we're supposed to have the same product as a baby, fo- as a mama fox, but we're running around trying to make Fox lunges and Fox homework and Fox, uh, dad's a A a-hole or Fox. Nobody's here to help me or whatever else it is. That's not those. Stop it. Hashtag. And I know I say hashtag. I do it for Carrie because I don't know how to use electronics. I don't even really know what hashtag (laughs) means. but, um, hashtag (laughs) for being a mom and for having this baby come out. Like awesome. You produced a life. Let's just take a minute and suck that in for a second. Let's just take a minute and suck that in and celebrate that and say how awesome we are to ourselves. We have to do it. We have to have better better self-talk.
0: Okay, thank you for talking because it made me take a second to know where I was going. Okay, so some physical stuff that if you do see it or something – and it, and it is something that the doctor needs to look at. For example like my friend was like okay so I look down and it looks like there's another baby crowning out of my the JJ <laughs> but I know that I'm not yeah I guess right prolapse right it's,
1: yeah, it's her bladder well it's not her bladder it's her anterior it's the front wall of her vagina but it's just because it's still floppy and she has no estrogen if she was nursing so it's gonna take a while for all that to firm back up. And then it will, and then people have do Kegels or not, or this or that, and it helps sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't, but that's all that is—is is tissue just going back to normal. That's all.
0: Okay, okay. Is there is there anything else that you're like? Oh, they need to come in.
1: Um, you need to come in if you couldn't stand it. He was so cute. I had sex early and blew my stitches out in my bottom. Um, that you need to come in for. The reason I say that, and because there's a ton of people um who are too embarrassed to say they had sex before the six weeks um whether it was because they really wanted to or their partner or they don't feel strong enough to say no mm-hmm. whatever it is but that is such a high risk for an infection i had to take somebody back to the operating room one time because she had essentially necrotizing oh, tissue okay. in her vagina because she waited one and a half weeks to have sex and then blew all of her third degree stitches out and didn't oh. tell anybody so we had to put her back to sleep and cut out a big b out of her vagina to try to get that back together Um, You need to come in if you think that something's going on with your stitches. Um, You need to come in if you have a fever or if you have foul discharge coming out of your vagina. I don't mean like old blood smell like, oh, this is irritating. I mean foul, like creamy colored, pus colored, like, hey, this is white with some blood in it. That should not be happening. You need to come in for that. If you have a temperature greater than 101, you need to call somebody. It may be something else, mastitis. Mastitis. Um any other thing but it's specifically if you have a tender uterus and you have foul stuff coming out of your vagina you need IV antibiotics that's endometritis um and depending on the bacteria that is causing your endometritis um you could need to be on like that could, that could be really bad really quick so we need to assess that and see if we need to get you some IV antibiotics if you feel like you're not bonding well with your baby mm-hmm. You feel like something is not right mentally with you. I don't give a who, what it is. You need to come in and talk with somebody. Um, It's hard sometimes because of the way offices run. I don't know how, how it works there, but we're so thin um, that a lot of times I'll end up seeing somebody who I've never met before. I don't care who it is. We all have been trained in assessing people for postpartum depression and it's not okay. And we don't want you to sit there like that and think that it's normal for six or eight weeks. That's not okay. Um, Just to say it out loud, postpartum is a really, really high risk time for for physical violence in a relationship um, and infidelity. If you feel like you are not safe at home, Mm. you need to tell somebody about that. And it's really terrible to have to say that. But there's so many people that we don't often ask the question. I ask the question um, humbly uh, because of some personal stuff I've been through. But, you know, we need to say, do you feel safe at home? It's one of the questions. Who's helping you at home? Do you feel safe? Um, and, and specifically ask about intimate partner violence for people um, if you have any food insecurity again need to tell somebody mm-hmm. about that um, what other medical things if you think that you have because postpartum period it, you can get blood clots if you feel like man my calf is hurting mm-hmm. really bad I have a cord on the back of my calf this is red and raised um, when I go to flex my foot towards me it hurts really 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 bad I can't I can't do a calf stretch on the wall you need to tell somebody that because just the hormones in pregnancy in general can cause people to have clots. That's why we tell people you can't start your birth control for at least six weeks so that hormone gets out of your system. I want my pills right now. No, diva. We're going to wait six weeks on that so that you don't increase your risk for getting a blood clot in your legs. So that would be a reason you would need to come in and be evaluated. Um, yeah, most hospitals have people who can help with, like, I'm having trouble with the latch mm-hmm, for my baby for mm-hmm. breastfeeding or I'm having mastitis problems, things, that's something you can cover at the hospital. You don't necessarily need to see a doctor for that. But the ones I mentioned before, definitely don't feel, you know, definitely self-advocate. Or if you have a friend who's having any of these symptoms and they're not able to, and one of the one of the key things that makes people not be able to self-advocate is depression. So right. if you see somebody who's ex- exhibiting any of these symptoms or signs, please help them or offer to help them because a lot of times they're too exhausted to do it for themselves. Like they—they truly can't. they truly can't, they truly don't have the ability. And I'm not trying to put that on anybody, but um, certainly would notify the support person or someone else who would be have the opportunity to get a hold of somebody at the doctor's office to. Doctor Janae,
0: what yeah. is there a percentage of, of moms that end up having postpartum depression? Is there a statistic on that?
1: Um, I don't have the exact statistic, but there's people who have increased risk okay. for um, any social disruption, um, uh, not good partner support. Um, History of depression, history of postpartum depression, um, physical violence in their relationship, not having adequate time to be home from work contributes to that. Um, financial stress and strain. A lot of them, like I said, they're they're not by themselves depression. They're stressors mm. that cause people to become so overwhelmed that right. they feel depressed. Um, yeah. But the main thing it, for people specifically, they're like, I think I'm on, I'm trying to get pregnant, so I'm going to get off my antidepressants. Nobody said that. Nobody said that. That's old school. Like we always want a mom to be treated. It's always better to have a treated, medically treated mother be pregnant than a non-treated depressed mother. You know, the types of hormones that go to the baby and the ability for that mom to be able to adequately care for herself during pregnancy is too Ah. important. So
0: there are a
1: few drugs that we would prefer. Mm -hmm. There's a few drugs that we would prefer over others. So if you are thinking about being, becoming pregnant and you're on antidepressants, then you just want to talk with your physician to say, hey, thinking about getting pregnant, which of these would we like to switch to? Or can we get myself out of polypharmacy? So there's a lot of people who take multiple uh-huh. medications. A little bit of this and a little bit of that, okay. and a little bit of this. We try to get you on the highest dose maxed out on one medication instead of having uh-huh. multiple medications. Okay. Um, but we are not taking people off their meds at 36 weeks. That is hot mess. That's just a setup for someone just becoming depressed. Um, and like I said, we just want to... Honor where people are medically now. If you've been, I've been on my Prozac for twenty years, and I just never tried to get off of it. Well, we'll talk about weaning it so that you're on the lowest dose that you need, or do you really even need it anymore? Maybe you started it during a divorce with hot mess, <laughs> Ronnie, and now yeah. got, You know, you know, he's gone, you know, and then Tom, you know, you know, Tom. Yeah, and then I got back on my meds, you know. But maybe everything's fine because George is amazing. And, oh my god, <laughs> you know, maybe you don't need it at all. So we always have that conversation: like, do we really need this? And if we need it, then we need it. And we don't we don't stigmatize that. We honor that. We want to have a healthy mom. So that's okay.
0: I mean. So now that you've scared all the people who haven't had kids before, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Girl. So, do you have any advice for ladies who are pregnant right now or going to be pregnant for the fourth mm-hmm. trimester? You mean like, yeah, for the fourth trimester? Yeah.
1: Um. Set some good boundaries. Okay. Early. Stop trying to keep up with everybody in America who put on Facebook, this little um, picture of their baby next to that calendar blanket. Don't, don't worry about that. And I, I laugh because somebody, I forget one of my friends sent it to me, but it was like those, it was a, it was a post of those pictures. And then what it looks like in the background of that, of that picture. And it's
0: a (laughs) like
1: that blanket with that baby on it is the only thing that is normal or typical in that picture. Like there's, Three other kids that are, like, tied to a chair. They're, so a box of Cheerios thrown on the floor, like you're throwing a ball at this toddler to tell him to go get it so you can snap this picture. It's so unrealistic. Nobody's sitting around with nothing going on taking these pictures. This is hot man. Just stop lying. Stop lying. You know you good and damn well ain't over there with everything ducks in a row, or you're just not a typical person. Like, and... Where's the badge of honor for saying, I just need a minute, like you're allowed? So, if you are getting ready to start thinking about being pregnant, or you are in that fourth trimester, set those boundaries now. Hey, everybody, just heard this crazy doc from Ohio. Gonna go ahead and try it. We're gonna see what it's like just inviting you when we're ready. And God loves Zoom and Skype. We're gonna set a Skype time. Like, let's send everybody in the whole family a link for 8 p.m. on week 1 week 2 week 3 get them all at the same time why are you making a crudite table i'm not scooping out watermelon balls for this <laughs> shit are you crazy you can look down zoom uh, sip and see i think that's what they call them now let's do a little sip and see like you see me sip everybody grab a beverage and you're just going to see me with this baby one time and guess what everybody else honor that honor that with other people give me a break like everybody needs a minute and just be able to say that and just set boundaries that honor yourself and and make sure that you request, hey, can I just have a, a little two to three week visit? I just want to make sure that, you know, I'm a new mom. These are the things that are going on with me, that they're normal. Thanks. <laughs> you know, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we totally already do that. Awesome. Good to know. But, yeah, self-advocate early for that. Um, have one person who you ask if it's three in the morning and I'm about to lose my shit. Can I call you have that person? number that you said out loud, if it's three in the morning and I'm struggling, can I call you and let them say yes out loud to you so that you're not struggling at three in the morning when you're crying? Because all of us Mm -hmm, have been there, right? Like I had postpartum depression, specifically with my second baby. I have anxiety anyway, which I probably told all you guys before, which is probably why I'm so like transparent about my struggles. (laughs) But like my anxiety is brought on heavily by sleep deprivation. So when I'm on call for 72 hours in a row or whatever, like, I mean, I can hardly sometimes drive down the road. I think everyone's going to slam into me. Like my, like my nerves are bad. So whenever I have my babies, like I literally would see myself. I'd walk to the stairs with my baby and see myself dropping the babies down the stairs. Like I would see them tumbling out of my arms. Oh my God. I had to sit down on my stairs and on my butt each step, get myself down the stairs. I couldn't even get down the stairs if I had been awake for too long, trying to deal with this breastfeeding mm-hmm. or whatever else was happening. And just a hot mess. And then I would see horrible things like She'd be crying and crying and crying. And she was only five pounds. I got to feed her. She has to gain weight. What's everyone said? I wouldn't get sleep. I'd walk in there to go look in her crib and I'd see myself putting a pillow. <gasps> wow. Like I, would see it. I would see it in my mind. I would see myself doing it, but I wasn't doing it. And it scared me so bad. It scared me. I'd have to leave the room. I'd be like, oh my God, because I would never want to do it, but I would see it happening. But that's what's, that's part of my mental illness. That's part of my anxiety. What happens? I'll see. Cars run into me. Or I see this type of stuff, and to now, you know, my one baby's eighteen years old. My other one's eleven. I can say that with such compassion when I talk to my moms, and I'm like, "Listen, you are not a crazy person. Those hormones and that sleep deprivation, aligned with whatever we have going on in our in our system and our minds in general, can be so scary. It's okay to say it, and I tell all my patients that so that they know I'm a safe space. So whenever you're talking to anybody who's going to have a baby or just Just having somebody's number. Listen, this crazy doc from my house, she said, I just got to listen. Janice, can I get your number real quick? Girl, if it's three in the morning, I got to call. Kid, is that okay? (laughs) She just told me to write it down. Just to know that you have a person you can call will take weight off of somebody. If you're listening to this and you know.
0: Oh my God, Dr. Janae, I had had, uh, postpartum anxiety as well. Not in the same form. Like I didn't have those thoughts. But Mm -hmm. I... I, um, it was the hardest three months of my entire life, her, her Absolutely. first three months of life. And I wanted a baby. I wanted really. a baby so bad yeah. and I love her so much, but it was really hard. It was really terrible. And yeah. I, I, you know, for me, what it's very interesting that you talked about like the whole antidepressants, old school, new school, because I went the old school right. and I had a little bit, you know, I had that pregnancy hormone. So I, I weaned myself off Zoloft yeah. because oh. I always like, I, I thought I didn't need it anymore because I was one of those people who was like, I've been on it for a couple of years. Right. You know, I was on a hundred milligrams a day. I was like, you know what? I don't think I need to be on this anymore. And then the baby was born. All of my levels completely dropped through the ground. Yep. And now...
1: By the way, Zolos is one
0: of the most common that
1: we start people on because it was studied the most with breastfeeding. Okay, Okay. right.
0: And so I went to see my primary in tears. You know, this was like, I was already struggling and then got put back on it. And now I realize, because I I think back to me as a teenager, a kid, a 20-year-old... I couldn't stop crying ever. Correct. I was crying all right. the time. I was emotional all the time yeah. and I'm a pretty strong person, but I would just respond to things with tears. So right. I, I know now that until my chemistry changes a lot, if that happens, I'm on it because yeah. it makes me a You're normal right. person.
1: It makes you, it makes you, you, I don't want to say normal or abnormal. I would say it makes you feel like the best version of yourself. Yeah. And that's what's okay. Like I tell girls all the time when they come in, like when I'm on my period. I'm crying sometimes. I'm like, is it impacting anybody else? Are you getting ready to get fired? Like if, if your friends just need to leave you be a little bit, that's not impactful to their life. Like you don't have to apologize for having a small hormone fluctuation. If, however, I'm crying all the time, Doctor Janae, I'm there's nothing I, I can't bond with people. I, I can't even focus. It. Then then that's when it needs to be treated. When it's bothering you, not when it's bothering necessarily somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel. It it's makes me feel like I dramatic, yeah can function and yeah. and I'm not. I can have right. rational. Like I'm. It makes me like not as irrational. When you're crying all the time, Perfect. you're making decisions yeah. in an emotional state. Going. Yeah, so I'm just really grateful that I figured that out, although it took me longer than what? I, you know, I look back. I wish I had figured it out earlier, but it's okay. I'm still young, you know. Okay. Um, yeah. But I think this is going to be really important for the for my uh, audience out there because Dr. Janae, I think I can say in concert with all of my ladies <laughs> that we all wish you were our doctor because, like, <laughs> I I don't get I don't get any... Th- and I know that you're in a podcast and you don't have an hour with everybody, but you know what I'm saying? Like, Correct. there's so many women out there who don't, number one, get the information. Number two, feel like they're in a safe right. space. Number three, right. feel like they can go to somebody over and over and be, you know, like a trusted person. So I, I really Correct. feel like, you know, if you can be that for them, just Aww. like a voice, and then if they really need to go and right. see their doctor, because you have brought something up that they've never heard about but they're like oh I have that that sounds like me then then they can go get themselves um taken care of you know
1: one thing that I will say which I don't know like nationally we're moving more towards because the the long and short of it is we're running out of doctors um Mm -hmm. particularly in obstetrics like people are just like over it because it's so stressful so there's a lot of uh, health systems that are going to a centering program system. I don't know no, if I haven't that or not, but it's basically like group prenatal care. So, um, every week you come at the same time or every, sorry, like, you know, once a month and then twice a week or once every two weeks and then once a week for your pregnancy, but you're in a group with people that are due like the same month as you, oh. for example, and you all are going to come to these visits and maybe they're all at 6 PM on Wednesdays or whatever it is. Those group visits are so helpful for first time moms. And I know people are like, I want to just talk to my own doctor. It's so wonderful to sit for the first week and hear about anesthesia options. And an anesthesiologist comes in there oh. and talks to us. And then a whole group of 20 of you get to ask whatever questions you want. Now, during the visit, during that hour or two hours, I, as the physician, will say, Janice, come here. I whisper, Janice comes in. I do my belly check with Janice. We spend maybe 10 minutes. She goes back to the group. Holly,
0: you're next. Come in, do my little visit. So
1: we only miss like 10 minutes of the talk. But there's a talk on breastfeeding. There's a talk on bottle feeding. There's a talk on uh, labor positions. There's a talk on postpartum depression. There's a talk on substance abuse. There's a talk on um, intimate partner violence that happens during you know, during and after pregnancy, there's a tour of the hospital. There's a whole bunch of different things that happen once a week. So I so highly encourage, they're like, this is some midwifery something. I don't need that. Yes, you do. It's, and the biggest thing about it that I hear women say is, oh my gosh, they asked the same question. I, there's such a camaraderie that is built between these women who don't know, but somebody else asked the question, it's all safe space. Um, everybody can stay there as long as they need to somebody else is asking the question sometime that you want to know the answer to but you got it and you get a snack why not you snack. <laughs> so I would really encourage anybody if you can find a centering program um, that is kind of for low-risk people what we're trying to push people more towards so that this doesn't happen so that you can have a 20-minute conversation about your c-section if that's the route you're going to have and talk about your anesthesia options and hey here's what to expect postpartum and so we can do that with people because those patients, by the way, in centering get say you came for 13 visits. 13 hours. Yeah. So period. you actually prefer
0: this and new structure.
1: Training. I do for low risk people, for high risk people. You need to see a physician. We're talking about your sugars, your you your all this other shenanigans. That's a different scenario because you're in a different situation. But for low risk people, I 100 percent suggest a centering program if you could possibly okay so
0: the centering program basically there's a physician like you who's doing all the checks and then there's one person giving giving like a lecture basically
1: yeah and and sometimes it's run by midwives it just depends on the okay but but as soon as somebody turns high risk like they come out of centering to a doc like that's it's not that you have to stay there it's just really more for information oh my
0: god i did not know any of this Bam! Hashtag #I can't waiting. believe there I can't you believe you are in my hometown too. Like I cannot. Yeah, uh, that's so crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, and you know what's really sad? Yeah, I'm know. coming there for all of 2 seconds because Kel- Kelly and I have an event, but I can't afford yeah, to really. stay any longer than 1 day because of my own schedule. Don't
1: even worry about it. I ain't going no, nowhere. No, I know, well, but I want to I want to meet you everybody. in person wait we're gonna meet yeah about it. Here all right there. bean there's only so many hours in a day girl we don't apologize we just say catch you on the flip that's it you want to mm-hmm. say you want to say apologize. hi dr you-
0: janae oh my goodness hi, bean. she's so go. tired she's Aww. she's just she's been sitting have you heard a peep at her she's been sitting on my lap the whole time peep. no, peeps. No, no peeps are you hungry bean oh no. she just yawned again okay so, Dr. Janae, we pulled it off. Also, yes. right. we want to do this with Kelly right. at some point, but we're just going to we're just going to annoy you. And then you I got can you can just tell us when you're available.
1: I love this. This is super fun. I love being able to talk. I want to answer questions if there's. And by the way, if there's like a, you know, a serious question that comes up that somebody doesn't feel comfortable, talk to their doctor about. I'm happy to answer that. Like these are important topics specifically around mental health stuff. So please feel free to reach out if somebody needs me.
0: All right. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Dr. Janae, for being with us and carving out the time. And listeners, thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. Go check the show notes for that link to sign up for the three-part series, Aero Rehab. And if you would honor me with a five-star rating and a review anywhere you get your podcasts, it really helps out so much. All right, guys, have an amazing week. That's it for us today. Bean, you want to say bye? Bye. All right, guys, this is Expecting Aerialist Podcast.